Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Genesis chapter 24. We're preaching through the book of Genesis. We come to the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. It has 67 verses. I hope that um, you don't compare that to last week's message that have 20 verses and think that I'm going to go three times longer. Uh, hopefully won't, that won't happen. <laughs> but I'd like to read the passage. Um, it's an, a great story, and we want to read it this morning. So follow in your Bibles as I read Genesis chapter 24. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go into my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again into the land from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou bring not my son thither again. And the Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land, he shall send his angels before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath, only bring not my son thither again. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master, and swear to him concerning that matter. And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his, of his master and departed, for all the goods of his master were in his hand, and he arose and went to Mesopotamia under the city of Nahor. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my, of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down the pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, Drink, and I will give thee thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for my servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. And it came to pass, before he had done speaking, that, behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. And the damsel was very fair to look upon a virgin. Neither had any man known her, and she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again into the well of water and drew for all the camels. And the man wondering at her held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. And it came to pass as the camels had done drinking that the man took a golden earring and half a, of half a shekel's weight and two bracelets for her hands of ten shekels weight of gold and said, Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, and is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And she said unto him, 
I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bare unto Nahor. She said moreover unto him, We have both straw and provender, provender enough and room to lodge in. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left uh, destitute his master of his mercy and of his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. And the damsel ran and told them her mother's house those things. And Rebekah had a brother, and his name was Laban. And Laban ran out unto the man unto the well. And it came to pass, when he saw the earring and the bracelets upon his sister's hands, and when he heard the words of Rebekah his sister, saying, Thus spake the man unto me, that he came unto the man, and behold, he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, Come in, thou blessed of the Lord, wherefore standest thou without? For I have prepared the house and the room for the camels. And the man came into the house, and he ungirded his, his camels, and gave straw and provender before the camels, and water to wash his feet and the men's feet that were with him. And there was set meat before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have told mine errand. And he said, Speak on. And he said, I am Abraham's servant, and the Lord hath blessed my master greatly, and he's become great, and he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maidservants and camels and asses. And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old, and unto him hath he given all that he hath. And my master made me swear, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife to my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell. But thou shalt go into my father's house, and to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son. And I said unto my master, Peradventure the woman will not follow me. And he said unto me, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with thee, and prosper thy way, and thou shalt take a wife for my son of my kindred, and of my father's house. Then shalt thou be clear from this my oath, when thou comest to my kindred, and if they give not thee one, thou shalt be clear of, from my oath. And I came this day unto the well, and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if now thou do prosper my way which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin cometh forth to draw water, and I say to her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water of thy pitcher to drink. And she say to me, Both drink thou, and I will also draw for thy camels. Let the same be the woman whom the Lord hath appointed out for my master's son. And before I had done speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came forth with her pitcher on her, on her shoulder. And she went down into the well and drew water. And I said unto her, Let me drink, I pray thee. And she made haste and let down her pitcher from, from, her, from her shoulder, and said, Drink, and I will give the camels drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels drink also. And I asked her and said, Whose daughter art thou? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah had barren to him. And I, put, and I put the earring upon her face and the bracelets upon her hand. And I bowed down my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, which had led me in the right way to take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. And now if ye will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee, take her and go. And let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord hath spoken." And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard these words, 
he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebekah. He gave also to her brother and her mother precious things. And they did eat and drink, he and the men that were with him, and tarried all night. And they rose up in the morning, and he said, Send me away into my master. And her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel abide with us a few days, at least ten, after that she shall go. And he said unto them, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away, that I may go to my master. And they said, We will call the damsel, and inquire of her mouth. And they called Rebekah, and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. And they went away, Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, Thou art our sister, be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. And Rebekah arose, and her damsels, and they rode upon camels, and followed the men, and the servant took Rebekah and went his way. And Isaac came from the well Leheroi, for he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide. And he lifted up his eyes, and he saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. For she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought, brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife. And he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of this wonderful account, and I pray that you'd bless it to our hearts today as we look at it. Help us to draw conclusions that we need to, and help us to see the picture we find here, Lord, of yourself and your bride, the church. We pray your enablement to bring the message, and if there's someone here that does not know Jesus as their Savior, May today be the day of salvation for them. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, everyone enjoys a love story. And the story of how Isaac got his wife is one of those stories that intrigues anyone who reads it. I'm sure your love story is interesting as well. But I would like to tell you briefly of my love story. When I was about 16 years old, I began to take note of a girl that I went to church with but had never really noticed before. Her name was Evelyn, and she was so pretty. And my interest in her, as my interest in her grew, it came to the place where we decided that we would go out on our first date. On our first date, we went bowling. And I remember, I don't think Evelyn had ever bowled before, and she got the ball and went to bowl, and she brought it back like this and dropped it, and it rolled behind her. <laughs> and she likes to tell that story. That was our first date. Eventually, we became what they called in those days, and I think still do, steady. (laughs) She broke up with me two, I think it was even three times, uh, because she wasn't sure I was the right one. I always seemed to know that she was, but she wasn't sure about that. Uh, Then, right before I left to college, because she'd broken up with me early in my senior year, and I had dated for a while another girl, and then she broke up with me as well. You know, (laughs) ladies are always doing that to (laughs) men. But I was sort of brokenhearted, but I still had a, a desire, a, an interest in Evelyn, and I, but I thought it was all over, and 
So I invited her out to a date for a date, and I said, uh, you know, we just want to be friends. We've been close all these years, and uh, I'd like to be friends before I go off to college. Well, on that date, the, the uh, flame of love fanned again, <laughs> and I could tell that. And so we, after a while, became steady before I went off to college. I wore her, little cla- her class ring on my little finger, and I have a picture when I was in college of that class ring on my little finger. And uh, we remained uh, a couple through all the first three years of college. My first two years, I was 300 miles away. We wrote every day. She would write me, I would write her. And so we would get a letter every day. One time, the custom on the college campus in North Carolina where I was is on a person's birthday, uh, unbeknownst to them, somebody would figure when their birthday was and they would go and get them and throw them in the, in the college fish pond. Well, we did that one, one day. and We threw this lady in the college fish pond out of fun, you know, but she got mad at us. She happened to work at the post office. And so she held back our mail. And it was, uh, it was a couple of weeks, I think, before I got any mail from Evelyn. I thought something was wrong back home, and she thought something was wrong in North Carolina. <laughs> and, uh, but we always wrote, and we stayed uh, steady all those years. And then between our, my junior and senior year, we got married. I was 21, and she was 19. And as of coming July the 16th, we will be, we will be married 55 years years. To me, she's still so beautiful, and to me, she's still the love of my life. If you look up her number on my phone, you don't look for Evelyn, you look for the love of my life, and that's her number on my phone, because she still is. Now, the story of Isaac getting his bride is much different than any of our stories. His marriage was arranged, and he married a lady he had never seen before. The marriage must be very important to God, because God took 67 verses, the longest chapter in the book of Genesis, to tell us about this marriage. Maybe that's because there's another story behind the scene. And maybe that's because Jesus Christ is, uh, is uh, likened there. In fact, this is a type or a picture of the, the marriage of the Lord Jesus Christ to his bride, which is the church. And we will deal with that subject at the closing of the message. But at this time, we want to talk about the, uh, how Isaac got his bride. Now, a bride for Isaac, how did it take place? Well, there's two things I want to mention about that, and that is the will of God and then the way of God. The will of God and then the way of God. You see, the bride for Isaac was God's will. God knew who it was. God knew ahead of time who this special lady was. And God had impressed upon Abraham that he needed to find a bride for Isaac. Abraham was old. He was 140 years old. The Bible also says in verse 1, he was blessed. He was greatly blessed of God. So this old, blessed man, Abraham, knew that God had a special lady for Isaac. And he knew two things that need to be true. And that is, she needed to be a believer in, in the Lord. She needed to be a believer. And also, she needed to be from their family. Because God was developing a new nation from Abraham. And Abraham thought it important that he marry within the faith and he marry within their family. And so there were no family around except Lot and couldn't depend on Lot, of course. And uh, so there were no family. And he says, so I need to get somebody from where I came from. 
And maybe before I left, I had turned to the Lord, and maybe my, my, my uh, uh, testimony before I left had something to do with people back there, and they also turned to the Lord, and hopefully there are believers in my family back there where I came from, even though before they had been idol worshipers and Abraham's family had been. So he said, I want you to go back there, and God was directing that. So the will of God was for Abraham to find a wife for Isaac. Abraham's eldest servant was chosen. We, probably, we believe that this was probably Eliezer. You remember in chapter 15, verse 2, Abraham was willing to leave everything to Eliezer because he had no son. And so uh, this is several years later, but this was the oldest, this was the eldest one, and so it might have been Eliezer. Anyway, he had him go find a wife for his son. And he said, go to my country and to my kindred and find a wife. And Isaac is not to go with you. It's interesting that uh, Abraham left the land of promise. Jacob left the land of promise. But Isaac didn't leave the land of promise. Isaac spent all of his years in the land of Canaan. And so he says, Isaac is not to go with you. And so you go and you find this lady. And uh, if God will help you, I'll send the angel ahead of you. He'll help you find the lady. But you are not to take Isaac because the servant said, what if she won't come? I mean, what if she won't come with me? What do I do? Do I come back and get the son to take him to get her? And he said, no, you cannot do that. But God will provide. God will send his angel ahead of you, and he will prosper your way. And so the will of God was to find the, the wife for Isaac. Now, the way of God. If you know what God's will is, and we don't know specifics sometimes, but we know it's God's will for us to do right. We know it's God's will for us to follow him. We know it's God's will for us to make choices in, in accordance to his word and all of that. God's will is, is clear in that way. But some of the specifics we don't know. So when you're trying to find God's will, God's perfect will, God's... Uh, God's will spelled out in all details. What are you supposed to do? What's the way of God to find that? Well, in this passage, I think we find that. And that is, the will of God is to find Isaac a wife. So how do you go about, about that? First thing is, you trust God. Trust God. Look at verse 9. It says in, in chapter 24, verse 9, and the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swear to him uh, concerning this, this matter. Now, we don't know exactly what that practice meant. It's only a, a one other time in the book of Genesis it's mentioned. But it was a way of uh, confirming an oath or uh, just uh, confirming that you, were, you guaranteed you were going to do something. And so they would put their hand under the thigh of the, of the, of the person and they would swear this oath, and so that's what he did. Now, that meant he trusted God. He's saying, I will do this. I don't know what's coming. I'm trusting God, though. I swear I will do what you want me to do, Abraham. And so we begin by trusting God. Now, it took trust to do that because what he was asked to do was something that was uh, hard to do. You know, many times we're asked to follow the Lord, and it's hard. But a, and Isaac's, or Abraham's servant uh, was asked to follow the Lord in this, and it was going to be a hard thing. 
it was probably, they estimate, between 450 and 500 miles away. Now, that's riding camels. <laughs> now, they, we found, already found out in reading the text that they took 10 camels with them. So it was uh, uh, Abraham's servant, probably Eliezer, and some men with him. We find in the passage there were men accompanying him, and they took 10 camels. Now, we're told that a camel can travel between 20 and 25 miles a day. That means that it would take them 20 to 25 days uh, to make the trip of 500 miles. So this round trip, because they didn't stay long, you remember he got there and then the next day left. So they could have done it all in two months. But this is a hard thing to do. Travel 500 miles by camels uh, to do this. And so it's hard. And it took trusting God, knowing this is what God wants me to do. I'm going to do this even if it's hard. It not only was hard, but it was unreasonable. I mean, you're asking me to go, uh, a servant might say to Abraham, you're asking me to go 500 miles on a trip I've never been on before to people I don't know to find this woman that's special. I mean, talk about a needle in a haystack. <laughs> I mean, how am I going to do that? And it, it seemed unreasonable for, for us to go, there'd be me and my men, so all these men and ten camels are going to go get this one woman and bring her back 500 miles. I mean, that's unreasonable. She probably won't do it. I mean, if she's in her right mind, she won't. That's what they're thinking. But uh, it doesn't seem reasonable, but I'm going to do it. That means I trust God. God's will is do this, and regardless what happens on the way, you do this, you trust, you've got to start by trusting God. So he trusted the Lord. The next thing you do when you, in following the way of God, in, in determining the actual will of God and all this, is that you obey God. You trust God, and then you obey God. You see, trusting God is a matter of the heart. Obeying a God is a matter of the feet. And that's you, you go do it. You go do it. And so verse 10 says, He departed, he went into Mesopotamia, under the city of Nahor. Abraham had given him instructions, probably where to go, and that's where he went. The servant, his men, and ten camels loaded down with gifts and, and supplies for the way, and they were going onto new territory with unknown results. They didn't know what was going to happen when they got there. The servant even said, well, what if she won't come? They don't know the results, and yet they obey anyway. They do it anyway. Many times in life we're faced with choices, it looks so hard to do what God wants us to do. And it seems so unreasonable to do what God wants us to do. But what should we do? Obey. You trust, and then you obey. And then the third part of the way of God is trusting, obeying, and then pray. Look at verse 11. It says, and he made his camels. He's setting the stage here. He made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water, at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. Now, he's had a 500-mile trek. <laughs> Took him at least 20 days, maybe 25 days to get there. And he's been thinking through this, all, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? How am I going to arrange this? So he's setting the stage. He's got it all figured out. I'm going to find this well. We're going to go at the city of Nahor. We'll find the well, and then we're gonna, I'm going to kneel down to all my camels and I'm going to wait for this woman to come, and God's going to hope, hopefully God's going to send this woman the right one. And so he sets the stage, and then he prays. Verse 11, 
O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. Let it come to pass that the damsels to whom I shall say, let, me, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for my servant uh, Isaac. So he has it all figured out. He said, Lord, I, I'm, I don't know how else to do it. So if you will do this, I know for sure who it's going to be. So lady's going to come out. I'm going to decide which one because he, there might be a whole bunch of them coming at the same time. But he says, I'm going to decide which one. And I'm going to go down and ask her. And if she follows through, oh, yes, I'll give you a drink. And she takes the pitcher off her shoulder, gives me the drink. And then she says, I'll, drink, I'll, I'll water your camels as well. Well, let's just think about that a minute. Water the camels. A woman watering 10 camels. We're told that camels will drink 25 gallons of water at a time. And there were 10 of them. Now, remember... Rebecca is in a situation where she has this man uh, coming and she's offering to draw water for his camels. She no doubt looks and sees he has men with him. They could do this. This is an unusual woman by, by, by all means. They could do this, but she says, I'll do it. I'll draw the water for your camels. And so he prays this to the Lord. He gives the specifics. You know, it's good to be specific in your prayer. And he says, it's got to be a damsel with a pitcher on her shoulder. And uh, I'm going to ask her drink. She's going to give me drink. And then she's going to offer to water all the camels. Unthinkable thing. I mean, nobody, no woman would do that. But Lord, that's the test. So God worked it out and he answered the prayer. And it said this, before he was done speaking, before he was done speaking. You see, God works while we're often praying. Sometimes it takes a while, but sometimes God's working while we're, all, while we're praying. And that means the Lord's working while we're praying. God just wanted us to pray. He already knew what he's going to do, but he said, now I want you to pray. So we ask, and then the Lord starts working. And that's what happened here. In fact, we're told in verse 45, as as the servant has explained this. He says, before I had done speaking in my heart. He wasn't saying it audibly. He was praying in his heart. Lord, here's what I want to happen. And then, while he's thinking this, it all begins to unfold. I mean, he's probably flabbergasted. God's doing this. And uh, it's wonderful. The Bible says in Isaiah, it's a reference talking about during the kingdom time. It says this, Isaiah 65, verse 24. It says, before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. You see, God knows. But also shows us that there's no conflict between uh, the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. God doesn't have to have us ask, but he says, you ask. God could do it without us asking, but God says, you ask. And so he asked, and the Lord answers. The Bible says in Matthew 7, verse 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. 
And James 4 says this, ye have not because ye ask not. Don't ever con conflict in your minds the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. God is sovereign. And God knows that you're going to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. He knows that. In fact, you wouldn't do it unless it was his action. But then some people just fall for all that and, and forget everything else. And they say, therefore, God elects some people to go to heaven and some people elects to go to hell. And you can't do anything about it. If God's going to save you, he's going to save you. No, he won't. God says, I determine, yes, but also determine means. And that is one thing you have to do is believe. You say, well, that doesn't make sense in my mind. It doesn't have to make sense in your mind. You just believe God. God is sovereign, and man is, 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 has a free will. In fact, Rebecca didn't go until she said, I will. I will go. And so there's the sovereignty of God, but also there's a free will of man. And then there's the fourth thing about this, the way of God. Trust God, uh, obey God, pray, and then worship. Notice what happens in verse 26. It says, After all this took place, he'd prayed about and it followed through exactly. And it says, And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. He worshipped the Lord. Twice we're told in this passage that he worshipped the Lord. In this verse and also in verse 52. Why did he worship? He worshipped because God answered his prayer. Do you have to be in church to worship? No. You can just pray and God answer your prayer and you say, Lord, thank you so much. You're such a good God. That's worship. And he worships the Lord. He worshiped the Lord because God answered his prayer. He worshiped the Lord because God provided exactly what he needed. I mean, he needed a wife for Isaac and she needed to be from, the, from Abraham's country. She needed to be a believer she needed to be the kind of wife that he needed, an industrious, kind wife. And right before him is a lady of Abraham's family, a virgin lady. She's never known a man. She's a kind lady. She was so kind to this master, this servant, who she had never seen before. She gave him a drink of water, and she had to be an industrious lady because she was going to go back and be married to Isaac, who was the leader of all this, these people. And uh, he, she had to be that special lady. And so she's industrious. She's willing to work. She's willing to do everything God wants her to do. And she was also, uh, God also provided the, 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 the need they had, and that's a place to lodge and food for the camels and all of that, and it was all provided, and he worshiped the Lord. You know, we should have had a worship day the other day, some of you, when you got your stimulus check, even though we might disagree that it should have done, been done the way it is. But God gave it to you. And use it wisely. But we should say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's not just that. Those, there's so many times in our life we just need to worship the Lord because he's provided our need. And then because God led him. Verse 26, I being in the way, the Lord led me. The servant says, I being in the way. What way? The way of God's will doing what God wanted me to do. I didn't know what was happening in the future. I didn't know how it was going to turn out, but I knew I was supposed to do this. I was in the way, and God led me. God will never lead you if you're not in the way. Someone said you can't steer a car that's sitting still. 
You can turn the wheel, but it's not going to change its direction or anything. You've got to be moving. And God directs those who move. God directs those who are doing what he wants you to do. Some people say, oh, I just wish I know God's will for my life, and they sit around and do nothing. God's will for your life right now is to be faithful to him. Read your Bible, pray, witness, go to church, love your brother, uh, do good to one another. Uh, God's will is for you to love him. God wants you to do his will right now, and you being in the way, the Lord will lead you. And so he praised the Lord that the Lord led him. But then there was another time he worshipped the Lord. It's found in verse 52. You see, God worked to bring the family, so bring him to this family so that he would be able to meet the right person and that she would be the wife of Isaac. Laban, her brother, we find out Laban later in the, book of, in the story of Jacob, he's not the best guy. And you can see he has materialism on his mind because he sees those presents that uh, this guy gave to, uh, to Rebekah, and he's impressed by the money. And he sees the camels and all of this, and he's impressed. But Laban agrees to provide lodging and, provider and, and provisions for his servants and the camels. He takes care of all that. They, they agreed to let him tell the story. They had supper already. And they said, let's eat. And, and uh, this servant said, no, we're not going to eat yet. I got to tell you why I'm here. And we won't go through the whole story, but he tells it all again. He tells all that happened. And uh, they are impressed by what they hear. And uh, so they said, Abraham's a great man. Now, Abraham, now Abraham left them uh, 75 years ago. He left when he was 75, rather 65 years ago. He left when he was 75. Isaac is now 40. Isaac was born when he was 100. And so it's 65 years later, and Abraham is this figure in all of their mind, this great guy probably, and he left, and uh, we hear good things about him, and now here's somebody who knows Abraham, and they say, he says, Abraham. Now, this, Rebecca had already picked up on that, who it was. She didn't know beforehand until she heard the man pray. And he said, the God of Abraham, my master. <laughs> and so she knew Abraham was involved. So Abraham, he says Abraham is rich, and he's given everything that he owns to his son Isaac. He's the heir of all of it. And we've come to get him a wife. And Sarah bared this child when she was old, in her old age. And, uh, they, and they shared the story about meeting Rebecca and how everything fell through just exactly like God had asked. And they consented to give Rebecca to them, to him, to take back to be Isaac's wife. And then they ask Rebecca, because you remember the story says that they wanted, they wanted to leave the next day and her family said, oh, can't you stay at least 10 days so we could just have time to finally, you know, tell Rebecca bye and everything. But he said, no, we need to leave right now. God wants us to finish this task. And they said, call Rebecca. So Rebecca comes and says, will you go? And she says, I will go. And when he hears all this, the Bible says in verse 52, he worshiped the Lord. You see, we should trust the Lord. We should obey the Lord. We should pray to the Lord. And then when God begins to answer all these things, we should worship the Lord and thank him. And then there's another thing they do. 
And that is, after they worship the Lord, they get busy to serve the Lord again and obey Him. Now, it's true often, you know, when you decide to do something for the Lord, you step out on faith, and then you come to a plateau, and um, people wonder what you're going to do next. There'll be people come along and try to discourage you. Family tried to discourage him, you know, and said, why don't you stay 10 days? He said, no, we need to go now. And so they went, and they went, went their way, and they obeyed the Lord. They did what God wanted them to do. And so they're leaving, and the procession that going out, you think about it. I want to try to picture this for you. The procession leaving Nahor is like this. There was the servant, probably Eliezer. His men, we don't know how many there were. But I'm saying let's guess that there were four. So Eliezer and his men with these ten camels, maybe there were four other men. And then there was Rebekah. And then there's her nurse. We find later in chapter 35, verse 8, that her name was Deborah. So she had a nurse, a personal nurse. And then she had damsels with her. So she comes from an influential family as well. And so she has her personal nurse, and then she has damsels. And let's say there are three of those damsels. damsels. The Lord doesn't tell us. And then there's these ten camels. Now, if, you, if I have the numbers right, you have a ser- the servant, uh, Eliezer, his men, maybe four of them, Rebekah, and her nurse, and then three damsels, that would make ten. So you have a procession of ten camels and a person on each camel. <laughs> That'd be interesting to see. And here they go, uh, off to see Isaac. And we read the story a while ago, they come to Isaac, they come close to him, and Isaac gets up and looks, and he sees the camels coming. This is what he's been looking for. I mean, they're supposed to bring him a wife, and and he's excited because this maybe is, is the wife that God wants him to have. Maybe they were able to accomplish this seemingly undoable task. And he sees the, the camels coming. And in the story, we find out that when he sees it, he starts toward them. Because Rebecca asks, says, who is this guy walking in the field toward us, to meet us? So he's coming toward them. And then Eliezer, the servant, tells uh, Isaac uh, all that's taken place and all that the Lord has done. And then Isaac takes Rebekah into his mother's tent. And they become husband and wife. And uh, that's a wonderful love story. Well, that love story is probably also a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, since Isaac is a type of Christ, and we find out that, that out from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 to 19, this account is no doubt a type of Christ and his bride, the church. Abraham representing the father, God the father. Isaac representing God the son. The servant represented by, representing the Holy Spirit. And then Rebekah representing the bride, the church. The father gave his son as Abraham gave Isaac. And Isaac agreed to die. You remember last week, or two weeks ago, we said Isaac didn't die and he couldn't die. It would mess up the type because Isaac is a sinner and he can't represent Jesus in the death because he's a sinner. So it took a ram to take his place. But he represented Jesus all up to that. It's interesting when you read that account that when Abraham comes down from the mountain, it doesn't say anything about Isaac coming down. Now, he did probably. But as far as the type, that's the last time you see Isaac 
was up there on the mount, and the next time you see him is right here. He meets his bride. Well, the Lord left, you know, after he died on the cross and went to heaven, and we haven't seen him yet, but he's coming back someday, and we will meet him. So the Father sent the Holy Spirit to get the bride for Christ. Who was it that dealt in your heart to bring you to Christ? It was the Holy Spirit. He used his word, but he worked in your heart. He convicted you. He brought you to Christ. He convinced you of the wonders of the Lord and of his gospel and all that he did for you and how good he is and all of that. It was the Holy Spirit doing that. And the Holy Spirit uh, testified of Christ, tells us of his wealth, how wonderful and, and great he is. He's the Son of God. He's the Savior. He's the Redeemer. He's the one that can forgive you. He's the one that can give you li- eternal life. He is rich, and uh, he, he is the f- Father's Son, and He's committed all things to Him. All judgment is given unto the Son. And one day He's going to rule and reign forever and ever. That's Jesus. And so we've been told about how great He is, and the Holy Spirit tells us that. Then people must agree. You know, a lot of people have heard that story just like you and I have, and they didn't agree. They didn't trust Jesus. But we must do as Rebecca did. And Rebecca said, I will go. And the day came in my life when I said to the Lord, Lord, I want you. I want you to be my Savior. I love you for what you did for me, and I trusted Jesus as my Savior. The Holy Spirit leads the bride of Christ until we see Christ. The servant led the procession with Rebecca back through those, that long trek about 500 miles. No doubt they had a lot of time during that to talk about the son, to talk about Isaac, to talk about his, his, his wealth and all that and how good he was and all that. And so that represents us after we've trusted the Lord. The Holy Spirit is leading us. We've never seen the son. We've never seen the Savior. We love him even though we haven't seen him. And someday we're going to see him, though. The Holy Spirit leads us, the bride of Christ, to the time that we're going to see the Lord. And verse 61 says, and they followed the servant. Rebecca and all those with her followed the servant. And so we follow the Lord Jesus through the person of the Holy Spirit as he leads us and guides us. Then the son, the bridegroom, awaits for the bride. Verse 63 tells us, that uh, he's waiting, and he says, what man is this that, she said, what man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And he said, it's my master, it's Isaac. Reminds me of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain together, and will be caught up together to meet, meet him in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The Lord's coming, and we're going to meet him in the air. And that's the way it was with Rebecca. She saw him coming, and she ran to meet him, and they became husband and wife. There is coming a great marriage supper of the Lamb, my friend. And those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior, we're a part of the bride, and we're going to be with him. As we go through our journey of life as Christians, we learn to love the Lord Jesus Christ We learn about him from the word of God, and we learn to love him even though we've never seen him. 1 Peter chapter 5 tells us that. And it says this, I mean chapter 1 verse 8, 
says, Whom having not seen, ye love. In whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I imagine the closer Rebecca got to Isaac, the more her heart raced. And the closer he got to her, the more his heart raced. And they were glad to be together. And someday the Lord will bring us together. And the, that hope of seeing him makes, keeps us pure. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, and we love him even though we've never seen him. Well, we began this story or this message by saying something like this. I began by saying that your love story is probably totally different than Isaac's. Or maybe I said it like this. Our love story is not anything like Isaac's love story. But really, it is. Our love story is really much like Isaac's love story. We are promised to him and we love him even though we've never seen him. The Holy Spirit came to get us and take us to him. And we responded and said, I will go. Our marriage has been prearranged by God. And the Lord prearranged the marriage of the Lord Jesus Christ to his bride. And we agreed and we accepted him. And we are in a journey to see him led by the Holy Spirit. And someday we'll see him and there will be a marriage celebration. Yes, our marriage, our love story is much like Isaac's spiritually because the greatest love of our life is not our wife. It's not your husband. The greatest love of your, of your life, if you're a Christian, is the Lord Jesus Christ. But it all boils down to this. Have you ever come to the place in your life where you said to the Lord, I will, I will go. I trust you, Lord. I want you as my Savior. I'll live for you and I'll trust you all through all of my life, and someday I'll see you in glory. I hope it, uh, that, that's your love story. I hope that you trust Jesus as your personal Savior. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for reminding us of the spiritual application of this story. Lord, I thank you that you've given us this wonderful account, and we are reminded of our love relationship with your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that someday we're going to be united with him and we're going to be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And I pray, Lord, that that hope, that assurance might purify our lives even as he is pure. There's one here today without Jesus. May today be the day of salvation for them. May they turn in faith and trust you, we pray in Jesus' name.